0: Tonight's session one of Girl by Moonlight, Fractal Spire, our first actual session of of, uh, Girl by Moonlight after our session zero uh, last month. Very excited to be able to actually do the thing with all these lovely people after talking about doing the thing for so long. My players are all ready and eager to do the thing as well. I'm... Very glad to be able to have the opportunity to show you all Girl by Moonlight being designed by Andrew Gillis for Evil Hat, who I will also mention, uh, was gracious enough to sponsor our, uh, series, which is really cool. They've given us just a little bit of resources that with which we can ensure that the production of this uh, stream will be At a certain level that we are act, we are really eager to actually, uh, tap into. I'm very excited to hear what our future audio episodes will sound like as a result. So I'm really hyped to do the thing this evening. So, of course, a reminder to all of you lovely folks, uh, that you can support this channel in myriad ways that allow us to continue doing the cool things that we do on this channel. Uh, supporting Speculate directly, uh, which you can find at patreon.com slash speculate. We are very hopeful that uh, your support can help us not only continue to do cool things like this, but do even more cool things in the future. We have quite a bit... Of other actual play stuff in the works for the rest of the year, uh, so your support on Patreon would be very, very grateful. We'll be very, very grateful for your support there, uh, so you can help us continue making those cool things. Before I totally blank out and kind of uh, wipe out this evening, I would, I, I should totally admit that my excitement is like. Uh, overflowing to the point where I'm kind of losing the ability to words because I really want to get into this game and play with all these lovely people. So I am just going to do that then. I'm going to press a button uh, so I can uh, interrupt all of these lovely people who are surely having some very important conversation that I have just totally appended, probably saving people's lives, and I just butted into the Zoom call just to, to uh, be a pest. So I can introduce you to all of my strange friends. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to do the thing, to the point where I'm kind of losing the ability to even focus on anything other than the game in my brain right now. Without further ado, I will ask all of you lovely people to please introduce yourself to all of you lovely people in chat by, for this session in particular, telling all of us uh, who you are, what you do, who you will be playing this evening, and what is your character's favorite flower, starting with Mike.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Michael R. Underwood, uh, Mike pretty much all the time. I stream video games and other fun stuff at twitch.tv TurboTango. I am one of the co-hosts of Speculate along with Brandon and uh, Gregory Wilson aka Arv. And I write science fiction and fantasy. My latest novel is Annihilation Aria, a found family space opera that once you read and enjoy you should t- treat yourself to several amazing books by Valerie Valdez. I am playing um, Vic Sains, he, him pronouns for me, they or he pronouns for Vic, and Vic's favorite flower is lavender.
0: Nice. Thank you very much. Next, Iori. Happy time zone chat. Kusano Iori,
2: in West class of 2017, they, them pronouns. I am playing Cat Holly, the time traveler, and you know... I had originally put in, in planning details that her favorite flower is iris, but unfortunately, I have made last name choices that have locked me into holly as a plant motif. Fun fact, holly is a mayoke plant. It repels evil and demons.
0: Duly noted. That surely won't play into this game at any point in the future, I'm sure. Next, Yoi. Hello,
2: hello, friends. going, Lin, he, they pronouns. Uh, today, I am going to be playing Vermilion Jingwei Ruth, who just goes by Ruth with most people. He, they pronouns, the outsider playbook in Go by Moonlight, and his preferred plant is Mistletoe.
0: And last but not least, Valerie.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: I am Valerie Valdez. Uh, she, her pronouns for me. I am, I am a writer. My books pair well with Mike's books, uh, definitely. I am author of Chilling Peck, Prime Deceptions, and the forthcoming Fault Tolerance out in August. I also stream on Twitch as the kids are asleep, which is when I stream. My character is Nina Lopez. She, her pronouns for her as well. And her favorite flower is the sunflower.
0: Ooh, nice. And as for me, I'm Brandon O'Brien. I will be our stage manager for this evening, because I don't like the word GM. My pronouns are he, him, or they, them. I am a poet, writer, and game designer from Trinidad and Tobago. I am the author of Can You Sign My Tentacle, uh, which you can find uh, at Amazon right now if you're into poetry about the gods of the Cthulhu mythos asking rappers for their autographs. I'm also one of the co-hosts of Speculate, alongside Michael R. Underwood and Gregory A. Wilson. Uh, I am very excited to do the thing. Uh, I've kind of forgotten all of the other things about myself so I can start doing those things. We will begin uh, tonight's session of uh, Fractal Spire with a press conference airing on the news. It's like minutes to 10 a.m. in Cloud Harbor and a totally impromptu... ...announcement has been made by the leading technology firm in Cloud Harbor, uh, DreamShine Technologies. Just kind of has been dropping seeds on social media for the last two or three days that they're about to announce some cool stuff. Which, for most people in Cloud Harbor, doesn't mean anything because most of the stuff that DreamShine makes aren't cool and doesn't make our lives more convenient. But they just kind of happen. All of those announcements have led to this moment, when this press conference is taking place, where the CEO of DreamShine, Rustam Demir, in this kind of very noisy purple suit with gold pinstripes, Like, it looks gaudy and tacky and terrible, but he's wearing it like it's the best thing that he owns. Comes out on one of the walkways of the DreamShine Technologies building, otherwise known as the Cloud Harbor Mirador. One of the, like, elevated walkways that connect one fragment of the building to another fragment of the building. He's invited dozens of press on this... Mostly bulletproof glass walkway. Like, it's all see-through. Everybody, like, in the actual video from Cloud Harbor's major um news service, you can see that a couple of other camera persons and anchor persons are actually very afraid in this moment <laughs> that they're going to fall through a sheet of glass and fall to their doom. But Rustam Demir is, like, very... Like, confidently focused in this moment as he walks towards this spire-shaped podium uh, right in front of him that looks like a miniature version of this building. And looking dead into the first camera right in front of him says, People of Cloud Harbor, we've been teasing for some time that some new developments are coming to this city that will yet again make us one of the most technologically forward cities in this entire country. And this time, I think we've kind of outdone ourselves. In this city where all of us love to work and play, where some of the best businesses and boutiques live and thrive as one of the biggest commerce hubs in the Tri-Cities, we've found... What we think is a way to revolutionize not only the ways in which businesses make their money, but how you're going to spend it. We didn't have a name for it before. As you know, our company is kind of bad with names, and he gestures towards one of the like, Clara placards on one of the glass doors inside the building that says DreamShine Technologies. Because the big joke in Cloud Harbor is, DreamShine Technologies sounds like a terrible name for a tech company. It sounds like it came out of Yu-Gi-Oh! In fact, no. That's rude. We, we should give uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! more credit than that. But still, he continues. So, unfortunately, the name that we have right now doesn't really count as well. But, we think that it does a very good job of illustrating to you exactly what it does, exactly what it means, and exactly how it will change the way that you buy and sell things in Cloud Harbor. And we call it, The Eye. And then, on camera, there is a long white sheet unravels on one of the glass walls directly behind them. That nobody even noticed before, because it was well hidden outside of the frame of view of that camera. But when it drops, it's just this very weird vector image of a purple eye. The only way I can describe it is, it looks somewhere between a very fancy hieroglyphic and a very terrible emoji. And as that unravels, you see two models in black pantsuits emerge from one of, like, just, like, out of view right behind uh, Rustam Demir, with a very large glass screen, and when they reveal the screen, it's showing a demo video of someone going to a supermarket and discovering that the aisles can literally... Dictate aloud to them which brands they are preferring. And can actually tell how emotionally invested they are in those brands and products. And, like, you see one of the other attendants in that supermarket literally emerges from the other uh, end of that aisle with, like, a large case of a drink that an old lady is thinking about. Or... Here's that another attendant, here's an another aisle that a child is very upset that uh, their favorite snack is not in the snack aisle. And then they merge with uh, a substitute that they say is just as good. And you can hear the aisle note that they are pleased by that acknowledgement. Um, and you're hearing like... Anchor persons and cameramen and other uh, reporters at the actual press conference clapping very softly to this news. And then Demir just kind of gestures to the models and he, they just cover the screen again and just kind of fade away, glide back down the hall. As he says, with this kind of technology, Every business in Cloud Harbor can always know what they need to do to please every customer. And every customer knows that they're spending money on exactly the thing that they want, no more, no less. Imagine having your desires literally fed back to you anytime you want. Knowing that you can literally pull up an app on your phone and never have to order anything. Just knowing that the thing that you want deep in your heart, is already on its way. That's the future of Cloud Harbor. Because Cloud Harbor is the future. And we're going to have a lot more news for you in the coming days about an even more revolutionary piece of technology that, when you hear about it, is going to blow your mind, but it's not ready to show off yet. So just trust and believe that DreamShine Technologies researchers and engineers are working very hard to ensure that we can continue being the future every single day for each and every single one of you. And then you hear some cameras snapping and you hear some reporters starting, asking, uh, starting to ask their initial questions as we cut away from that press conference, just kind of panning out of a television nearby... To a nearby school. Vic, what are you up to at this hour of the morning?
1: I think it would be funny if corporate subsidies of local public schools came with a writer that dictated that a certain tier of press conferences would be mandatorily shown in classrooms.
0: In class? Oh my god! Capitalism is ruining this world. Okay, cool. Yeah, you are... You are in class. The projector is on. You are showing this press conference live to this class of students. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about this?
1: This sounds absolutely horrific. Because, it, one, it sounds too similar to the type of stuff that we do that's supposed to be a secret. And two, it intrudes even more on people's lives. Than the existing world, where there's kind of there's always something being pushed at us in a world of media saturation.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you feel when you notice that several of these students in this class actually really dig this?
1: It's not too surprising, but I think Vic like quickly t- kind of tries to undercut whatever like. Emotional bubbling over of any of that by kind of clicking the, the TV off now that it's no longer locked to on and the, the specific news feed from Dreamshine. And it kind of yanks and releases the, uh, the projector screen to reveal the actual topic of today's lecture, which is a, it's probably like um, a two centuries old war. Between the state that this used to be a part of before whatever level of cyberpunkification and a neighboring state, which has been basically sanitized, been sanitized through the merchant aristocratic ancestries of the major corporations of the tri-state.
0: I see. Okay. <laughs> Give me a 2 die fourteen roll. All right. Yes, please roll 2d6 for me. And uh, they come over here so people can see that.
1: Six and three. I see. So that's good or bad, depending.
0: No, that's good. So, (laughs) you notice two children, you notice two students of yours raise their hands. One, you don't typically hear from in class. They typically don't really like ever answer a question or ask a question in class but they're they're not doing poorly they just don't tend to speak up very often the other is someone that you know tends to be delinquent on a regular basis in class
1: sorry they raised their hand
0: yeah both of them raised their hand at the same time
1: i'll call on the generally quieter one first
0: they stand up you know their name is lily they just kind of gingerly get up out of their seat and go, um, I just wanted to make sure that, and you can see that Lily is like thinking very hard for a moment, and is like, that doesn't have anything to do with us here at school, right? That They're not going to change anything about the cafeteria or anything like that. Because that's kind of weird. I kind of don't want my lunch telling me how I feel about it.
1: Well, I'm just hearing about this uh, now as as you are, really, so I can't really speak to that. Um, I think, like, like I always tell you, it's important to treat with and read primary sources. And so as more information is available, it'll be important to refer to these primary sources about this technology and the ways that DreamShine is looking to integrate it into Uh, everyday life. And then Vic kind of loops around to the way that they um, tend to gesture toward outside sources so that they can point people toward things that have maybe more real information versus the propaganda that Vic is forced to teach at school and like kind of gestures there conversationally and then loops back around to call on the the other student.
0: Mm -hmm. This other student, Ken, is not a good egg by most metrics uh, when not just being mildly disruptive. He usually has a tendency to be generally upsetting and violent. He's never caused trouble specifically in your class, but you know that he causes trouble elsewhere. um, And you know that he doesn't really give a damn about history. And he's like, why do we have to hear about wars again? You kind of know what happened. Cloud Harbor won. Cloud Harbor's the best. We don't need to think about anything else other than that, do we?
1: And then Vic will pick some element of Ken's fashion choices, which I think are largely constrained if we're doing like, I don't know if this is a school that has a press code. What do you think? Should we go like to that point? Or do we leave more space for individual expression with the fashion touchdowns?
0: It's actually very weird in that respect. There isn't a uniform on campus but there is not only just an approved dress code but the dress code is actually tied to approved brands that you're allowed to wear on campus hmm. and you're not allowed to wear non-brand stuff this is terrible, I hate this but yeah, that's the world that you live in everybody's wearing like designer t-shirts and jeans <laughs>
1: yeah So, Ken, did you know that the Latrobe logo is actually representative of a anti-air missile defense system from this war? Did you know that like and basically Vic will do a like a sartorial historiography, uh, historiography that indicates that the choices of clothes that Ken has worn would be read at the time as support for the country that is less Cloud Harbor, like, uh, was conquered to become Cloud Harbor.
0: You see him actually, like, pull at his shirt to look at the logo and is, like, looking at it very weirdly now. Like, hmm.
1: They history know that is, teach. History is in everything around us. It informs how we understand the world. It is the foundation on which the future is to be built. There are a lot of lessons in history and if approached in the right way, a lot of very interesting stories. And then, like, Vic will kind of loop back around into the lesson for the day.
0: You're in this class for a bit, just finally getting to the meat of the lesson when there is a knock at the door, at the classroom door.
1: Vic will say, like, go ahead and take a look at uh, the third paragraph on that next page, please, as they walk over to open the door.
0: And when you uh, open the door, the vice principal of the school is uh, standing in front of you. Who is the vice principal?
1: I think the vice principal is just, like, the most put-together, well-preserved 40 with, like, stylishly very short hair and a suit that is, like, aggressively bland, except it's very expensive, like the expression is uh, fine, it's conspicuous consumption rather than individual expression. I think this, uh, the vice principal Yale, Y A E L.
0: Vice principal Yale, just as the door opens, just soundlessly uh, gestures for you to join them in the hall. And as you step out of the classroom, they close the classroom door behind you. And the first thing that they say to you is, you know that we could have seen that, right?
1: Seen what? I'm sorry.
0: They gesture through like the small like window in the door. They gesture through that window all the way to the back of the room and up towards the drop ceiling, uh, where you can see a thing that you've known before was always in this room. There is a 360 degree camera in that classroom that has the DreamShine Tech logo on it and all this kind of weird shit. We monitor these classes on a regular basis, yours more than others. Um, I get that you're trying to do the right thing, I understand that history is important and stuff, yes, cool. But that press conference wasn't done yet, so you didn't have to get back to your lesson right away? We could have... Some of those questions that those reporters asked were probably going to be vital for those kids. You don't know. Now they're never going to hear them. Because you wanted to get back to work. Um, why?
1: Well, we have the uh, the autumnal uh, quarterly exams in three weeks. And I recall from our all-hands meeting that... Um, It was very important for us to build on our two-year streak of improving test records year over year, which I believe you said specifically, Vice Principal, and I'm just trying to do my best.
0: I would like you to give me your obligation rule now.
1: Sure thing. So my character's lowest attribute is stars. And so if stars is your lowest attribute, your obligation puts you under social pressure or sets off your anxiety. So... Vic is a teacher at a very high-pressure school in a dystopia.
0: hmm This must suck. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm going to roll 2d6 and take the lower of those, because I have zero action ratings in this attribute.
0: Okay. Oh my Let's god. See.
1: That's a 1 and a 6, so I will take 5 stress, the most possible. Oh my god. So maybe we go back, and what Vic said to Vice Principal Yale. They are, like, their hand is visibly shaking, and their voice is trembling uh, as they do so.
0: Oh my word.
1: And I will mark five stress on my sheet.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. VP Yale just takes one, like, very strong step towards you, and is, like, barely a foot away from you at this point, and says, whatever you thought you were trying to do in the best interest of these kids... Think about asking someone first before you just do it. Understood?
1: Yes, Vice Principal. Thank you very much for...
0: And they just start walking away. They are not even waiting to hear whatever else you have to tell them. They're just leaving the hallway. God, so many characters I'm going to hate in this game. Um... (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. That's good. I just want to take one moment uh, because we haven't gotten a physical description on Vic and I can tie it into actual narrative uh, before Mm -hmm. we uh, jump to the next scene. Right, yeah. So as the vice principal is walking away and there's like educational version of like good worker propaganda playing in the hallway for when students are passing between classes and like we kind of focus in on Vic as they kind of like take a deep breath, like straighten their like Short wavy hair that is kind of um, is like pomaded to to their head to avoid like being messy. And Vic is about five ten, white person. We haven't done a whole lot in terms of what we want to do with the race in this world, but uh, whatever whatever that equivalent is for Vic, and wears magazine standard uh, vest and slacks. So like Vic pays attention to fashion, but does not do much expression in fashion at school and has like brown hair and kind of puts everything back together like it is like it is armor and opens the door and walks back in uh, and says um i've been informed that uh, there's actually some more information about uh the eye in the press conference so let's jump back to that
0: oh lord so all of that happens <laughs> good lord i'm gonna hate vice principal yale and i Technically, I'm Vice Principal Yale. Um, We cut from that point to Ruth. Uh, It's now a bit later in the evening. Well, later in the uh, morning. It's like half eleven minutes to noon. What are you up to at this hour of the day?
2: For today, let's say that Ruth is on his way to his workplace and his workplace is a mid fancy bubble tea cafe called Monsieur and Roses and he bikes there from his district. He has to bike quite a ways because his district um, is not exactly one of the best. The good areas of that district are very very good but the bad areas of that district are very very bad right. and they kind of cut through each other in ways that doesn't really make sense to urban planning or people who predict which areas of districts fall into disrepair. So he's biking along, probably along a large stretch of road, and he's short, like max probably 5'5 five, five in shoes, has gray hair that looks like it went gray very, very early, probably due so to some kind of shock or stress. Um, long, a little bit, put up with no particular care. So, very much okay, it has to be out of the way. There you go, it's out of the way, whatever. And he also happens to have a white satin ribbon tied around said hair, and his eyeliner matches it. But he's going along um, on his bicycle, and in the front basket of his bicycle, there are Two bouquets. One is of white chrysanthemums and the other is of white roses. And as he's biking, he happens to see roadkill that was there, not there, the day before when he biked back from work. So, in the midst of all these cars stopping, he just kind of pulls over, kicks down the stand, and he has this kind of tight, almost hostile, hurt way of holding himself. So, he's just kind of like stomping off his bike pulls a rose out from the bouquet, pulls a freaking white chrysanthemum from the bouquet, opens up a glass jar that has paper stars in it, tugs out a little embroidered handkerchief that looks like he did it himself, goes and just kind of puts the flowers down, tucks the hanky around the dead thing on the road, and just kind of makes it nice and neat, like it's just something he has to fuss over, and God, why does he even bother And then gets back on his bike and heads back in uh, along the way to his workplace. So that's what he's doing right now. And he's going in for the afternoon shift at his work. Usually he does the morning shift, but today he's doing the afternoon shift.
0: Mm, Okay. Before you get there, I should ask then... What kind of place is Monsieur Andrews's, and in particular, like, how does it fare against the other similar shops of its kind in Cloud Harbour?
2: It's kind of a shop that keeps to itself. Like, it has a very cultivated aesthetic. So very dark, moody pastels, dark roses, cut through with white occasionally, black tulips. So they know their niche. And they stick to it. They don't really bother with the other places about.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you say that in a city that is full of like boutique uh, restaurants and uh, such, uh, would you say that Monsieur, Monsieur Andrews is, is on the expensive end or a little bit on the uh, cheaper, more reasonable end?
2: It's a bit more on the cheaper, more reasonable end. Because the main way that they market is getting people in to, you know, take pictures and post it on social media because it's all about the aesthetic and they want as many people to want to come in and basically post it all over their profiles. So, uh, yeah. Nice. That's kind of what they're angling for.
0: hmm <laughs> Now that you say that, I know what happens when you get here now. Okay. Uh so you arrive to work just before uh noon and when you get there a couple of tables are already uh taken some people are just leisurely eating and drinking and at one of these one of the tables near like the center of the space a 20 something year old woman with pink hair is wearing what looks like it looks like she's wearing a costume. It looks like she's wearing, like, pink latex dress with collars with gold accents on them that look like they're, like, literally made of gold. Like, they look like, they look like just, like, gold arrowheads just poking out of the, the corners of this collared dress. It's very strange. She is standing behind what are essentially two, tab- two tables put together of... Every drink that you can order at this place. Um, each in a mason jar with, like, a red and white striped straw in each of them. And there's a camera in front of her. Like, it's not even... There are... There are three separate cell phones on three separate tripods. Just, like, facing her and these tables. And she's very eagerly, like, doing... A live stream of her sampling all of these drinks. And then one of the other employees calls you to the counter. I'm gonna say, like, a very, uh, uh, thin, tall, like, six foot one in a sweater and, like, dark gray pants is looking very nervously at the woman who is live streaming and then calls you to the counter
2: Ruth being Ruth kind of sets his jaw and stalks over because that's his normal way of walking he stalks towards things he's always going towards something and he's never happy about it
0: (laughs) so this guy Kyle is like do you know who that is by chance Never met this person on social media before. Said 500,000 followers. Doesn't sound like a lot, but I don't know. The boss said, do the thing.
2: Does Ruth know this person?
0: You can give because me a roll. Worked. To-
2: you can okay, give me a roll for do, us to I'll see if you do that. know.
0: Um, okay. So, what would you roll?
2: I could roll an action if you wanted to see if I remember, or I could roll fortune just to see if, by chance, this person coming by came by on his shifts.
0: Hmm, I want to know if an action would actually give us the ability, would give you the ability to know.
2: That could be under Perceive.
0: Yeah, I would say Perceive uh, would give you this, would be the skill to roll to, get, to, to see if you had this information before. So, do you have any dots in Perceive?
2: Absolutely not.
0: (laughs) So, this is going to be hilarious. So, you will roll. This will be hilarious. uh, So, you will roll 2d6 and we will take uh, the lower of the two. Oh,
2: so a six and a four.
0: That's actually not that bad.
2: Sixes.
0: Let's pray that this keeps up in the future. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But a four is good enough for you to know. You've seen this person on the internet before. There, it's not your style, so it's not like you're following her or anything like that. But you have seen her content around the internet sometimes. You have seen posters and billboards in Cloud Harbor for her, but you've never really registered her name because, again, not your style. But you do know who this person is, and you do know that they do a, var- a variety of content that can only be de- described as I am where I go where expensive shit is. So it's kind of surprising that they're here and not at another shop.
2: So Ruth is someone who's extremely offline, probably learned about this person unwillingly, possibly because Nina, a to-be-introduced member of the crew, in her very well-meaning but constantly failing attempt to bring Ruth into the modern age, (laughs) showed him the page and he was like, no. (laughs) But he recognizes this person, Looks over, looks to his much taller coworker, and just kind of twitches in a shrug, and goes, I don't care.
0: Fair enough. That's when the boss comes. Hmm. i let you qualify who runs Monsieur Androses. Um, describe this person for me.
2: In my head, the, pers- the people who run it, it's a couple. Uh, so it would be one half of that couple. I'll let you pick <laughs> who mm-hmm. of that couple it is. But I imagine this would be the half of the duo that's more involved on the floor while the other person is more involved in the bookkeeping. So this would be somebody akin to the floor manager or the supervisor.
0: Hmm. Okay. And roughly how old do you imagine this person is?
2: Probably in their mid-40s.
0: So from like a back room door, um, you see Edna emerge. She looks kind of tired. Um, She looks like she's been working for quite some time. She might have been here earlier than she typically comes in. And uh, she calls you aside and says, Ruth, thanks for coming in. I know you typically work earlier, but I imagine uh, you would have felt more comfortable with Uh, The afternoon shift, just like, we have to take care of some stuff and we couldn't get anybody else to cover because we were going to give you the day off, but just kind of needed somebody today. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. But uh, you know the drill. You are comfortable manning the shop when just one or two people around. And while she's talking, I would like you to give me... A role Uh-oh. um, because something strikes you very obviously in this moment, like you get the impression in this moment that uh there is something about what Edna is saying and how Edna is behaving that you need to <laughs> observe and hone in on in this moment. I would say that a good role for this would be empathize
2: I also have no point that. <laughs>
0: wow <laughs> analyze would also work uh, if you have any in that as well
2: do you know what else i don't have points in
0: <laughs> wow okay wow okay cool um it's okay
2: I'm, I'm fine with rolling a no point stat because okay ruth is good at one thing and that one thing is not dealing with people <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay, so would you prefer the empathize or the analyze? Because one of those works better than the other, so that will affect your position and effect. I will say empathize will obviously work best. I was
2: about to say, contrary to how he generally appears to other people, Ruth actually is a pretty sensitive person. See, doing roadkill funerals for things, Mm -hmm. and basically any dead thing he comes across, so... I was about to say, Empathize seems to be the most proper for him, because, again, he's more emotionally driven than analytically driven.
0: Okay, so I would say that your position is risky, Uh and your effect is standard, because you already know Edna.
2: Okay, and I'm rolling 2d6,
0: correct? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And taking the lower one.
0: Yeah. That's a 5 and a 1. <laughs> okay. There's yeah. No empathy
2: today. <laughs>
0: In this moment, it just seems like Edna is hella tired. And you have no idea why you imagine... You just imagine she must have been working for quite some time. And you imagine that if she was working for quite some time, she was working at the shop. So that's really all you know at mm-hmm. this moment. She continues talking to you about how uh, she needs to run an errand with her partner, who she runs the shop with, that it's very urgent, that in fact they need to head out uh, rather quickly. And uh, then you hear, like, a clattering commotion in the kitchen uh, right behind the both of you.
2: Ruth kind of jerks his head around over his shoulder as he turns out, as if to say excuse me, but doesn't actually say excuse me. And goes
0: to check out the kitchen. Okay. You see... Edna's partner... Uh... Kenneth... Being manhandled by a police officer. Uh Uh-oh. Like, he's not being... Put in cuffs. They're just, like, awkwardly wrestling around all of the very expensive china that you use to set plates over here. And the cop seems very mad about something.
2: This is terrible. (laughs) So Ruth is going to see this and Ruth is just going to, if this is a TV show, basically he appears in the doorway and then he clearly opens his mouth to say something and then it cuts to Kenneth and the police officer and then from off screen there's just like a minute of bleep, 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 bleep. And it cuts back to Ruth, and Ruth is standing there with a general attitude of having just asked what is going on, but clearly that was not actually came out of his mouth, but that was the gist of it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The police officer notices you both enter the room and is like, he's about to say something to you, Ruth, and then, like, glances at Edna and says... I've been waiting here for however long, y'all ready to go. We... I don't have all day. And at this point you because you are facing the scene, you can tell that Kenneth is very, very frustrated in this moment, but is also like trying to hide what is obviously like a level of anger that you are very comfortable with but you have no idea why he would try to conceal that in this moment. And Edna just goes, You didn't have to make all of this noise. We were coming to meet you. Kenny, can you please get your things and we'll just handle this. And it is exactly at this point that I would like you, Ruth, to give me your obligation role.
1: Oh, um, man.
0: <laughs> what is the attribute that you have uh, the least actions in?
2: So, for Ruth, the attribute he has the least actions in is Moon. And Moon, for the audience, represents a character's sincerity and clarity. Roll Moon when you resist a consequence of despair or heartbreak. Mm -hmm. So, much like uh, Mike, I'm going to be rolling two dice and taking the lower one because I have no attributes in Moon. D6. That would be a 2 and a 4.
0: Hey, so you take four stress. Love this. <laughs> um, hey, this is so, oh my god, this is a lot. Edna and Kenneth leave the kitchen and the cop is just there, but like he is literally playing with his baton. Like, he's, like, extend- extending it all the way and then contracting it again and then extending it again. Like, right next to very expensive glassware. Uh, like, he he chips the handle off of a mason jar uh, and doesn't give a damn. And then he turns to you and goes, You close to those two? Ruth
2: looks at the police officer and what the police officer sees is a very short, scarred, hostile-looking person. Because Ruth has scars on his lips from fistfights and scars on his knuckles from fistfights. And, apparent, and 100% looks like he has glassed somebody in his life and lived to tell about it. So he just stares at the police officer and says, I work for them
0: cool do me a favor when they get back and like he just kind of walks over to you very coolly he looks incredibly angry for no reason but you can also see like a little tinge of delight that he's having in like having this moment to uh torture you in particular he says try to keep those two out of trouble yeah They seem to be prone to finding themselves in situations where they don't belong, so maybe you'll see to it that that doesn't happen. That way you'll never have to see me again. And vice versa. Got that? Ruth,
2: like this man, is also seemingly very angry for no reason, and the closer that this police officer has gotten, the more tightly he's gotten wound. And again, without looking away from the police officer, says, I work for them, not the other way around. Not sure what you want me to do about it.
0: (laughs) And he (laughs) he, uh, just kind of like chuckles to himself. He taps you on the top of his head very lightly with his baton. As if just playfully illustrating to you, just wanted to let you know that I still have power over you. And just at that point, Edna and Kenny reemerge and are like, "So we're gonna go now. So please uh, take care of the shop. Don't let any, don't let that influencer lady break any of our glasses." I guess, um, and they just kind of all three of them leave through the back door. And when you go back out into the shop, the the influencer has already finished four drinks. And while in the middle of drinking the fifth one, just kind of like angrily puts it back on the table and like, Ew, what's in that? Never had that before. And you can notice that several of the other attend a- and several of the other customers in the shop are like literally rolling their eyes and preparing to leave but this other guy is like asking no please she's gonna be done in a moment you can continue doing your thing <laughs> and it's just the two of you trying to manage the shop while this very obnoxious person is drinking very loudly in front of everyone and then we cut from that moment to cat. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com
2: Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role playing in my life? Can I recommend ArvanEleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun, and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here.